That Naturopathic Podcast. TNP. Hello there. Hi, and thanks for joining us. I'm Dr. Michelle Pobega, naturopathic doctor. And I'm Dr. David Miller, ND, and we hear your frustrations. This show is for you. This show is for you if you're feeling like your current healthcare strategy is not getting to the root cause or the underlying reasons for your health. This show is for you if you've been told that you're fine, but you definitely don't feel very well. This show is for you if you're walking out of your doctor's office with one, two, three, four, or even five medications without any mention of diet, lifestyle, or a long-term game plan. This show is for you if you've got several specialists taking care of you, but no one is really putting all the pieces together. This show is for you if you believe that health should be part of healthcare. These problems have solutions. We know it. Our patients know it. And we want you to know it. Naturopathic medicine is the solution that you should know about. Okay, welcome to another episode of that naturopathic podcast. It's Dr. Dave here, Dr. Michelle. Hi. Uh, how's it going? I'm good. It's a warm day today. I feel like I'm I'm starting to burn it up in this office. I'm not used to this temperature change. It's beautiful outside though. I feel like I have to Are you sure it's not our guest, our repeat guest that's told us it's some true. racy, it's racy true. ideas for dinner? If only people <laughs> were actually part of the pre-conversation, pre-recording, it's uh yeah, it got good. It got real good. <laughs> it got very tasty, tasty, well, let's, tasty. Let's tell them about our tasty repeat wise guest who's joining us today. So today we have Dr. Yasher Kosroshahi. He's a naturopath and an executive coach um, who specializes in mental, emotional um, strength and brain-based kind of coaching. He trains high-performance leaders to strengthen their mental, emotional foundations through mindset coaching. He's a TEDx speaker. Um, he's also been on Dr. Mark Hyman's Broken, ba- Broken Brain series, and he leverages his experience as a naturopathic doctor to help leaders optimize their performance while prioritizing mental health, which could not be any more important than it has been over the last mm-hmm. few years and in our current state of the world. So I'm really happy to have you on the show. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. I, I am so ecstatic to be chatting with two old friends right now. I know. It goes I was so I was so excited. I was like, friends, we have friends on the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's good times. So so what people missed in the in in the pre-show. <laughs> <laughs> um, was what's for dinner. We should just have a podcast called what's for dinner. What's for dinner. That's um, a good, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> but uh, Yasher has an interesting palate and uh, has trying something new tonight. Yasher, why don't you tell our awesome listeners? I am all about not wasting. And if you're going to consume an animal, why not consume all bits and pieces? And I've been uh, asking the local farm store to me uh, to provide me with uh, beef testicles. And yes. curry oysters, I think, is another name for them. And I've never tried them, but tonight, that is the appetizer. Wait, what did my... you say is the alternative name? Uh, prairie prairie oysters. oysters. Prairie oysters. Oh, wicked. Yeah. yeah. So that is the appetizer. Uh, my, my wife and my son are not very happy with me right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're going to try. But you're going to fry uh, it in butter. Like everything exactly. tastes better everything. when you fry it in butter. Everything Garlic, better. butter, fried. Yes. Yeah. Honestly, mad respect. I mean, I, I, I have not yet delved into eating regularly more organ meats, but that is something on my headspace to want to do that. I also want to get one of those chest freezers so I can buy, like m- make friends with farmers and buy half a cow or something. So I know that all those particular parts will be, will be consumed and eaten. And there's so much nutrients in those organs. So 
totally. I, I, I love that you're going there. Super, super uh, economical. And that's the thing that blows my mind. It has like the most nutrients for the least amount mm. of spend. Um, mm. And people spend tons of cash on, on a steak. And if that's your, that's your thing and you like steaks, awesome. I, I get that. But when it comes to nutrition and when it comes to price point for nutrition, organ meats is kind of where it's at. Yeah, cool. I'm, I love it. Mad yeah. respect, dude. You got, you're going to have to come back and tell us all about the balls. It, <laughs> there it is. <laughs> and that's the quota for today's show. <laughs> and we're out, guys. No, okay, so let, moving, moving up from the bottom yeah. chakra, uh, we're going <laughs> to hopefully ascend to some higher levels, but it is good to start there. Um, what are we, what are we going to talk about today? Cause, uh, it's always about mindset with Yashar and, uh, you always get deep conversation and meaningful conversation. I find with Yashar yeah. as a friend and as a guest, but, uh, we had a few sort of key words that we were going to, uh, touch on today. Do you want to just give us a bit of an intro, what you want to share today, Yashar? Yeah. When, when, when I was asked to, you know, join you two, I was, you know, Michelle and I went back a little bit and we had a bunch of ideas and I was like, should we do the Joe Rogan style of three hour podcast here? Um, and what it basically boiled down to, I think very topical for all of us really is the idea of connection, the idea of connection with self and others. And then as an extension to that community and, and mother nature um, to go full circle from the beginning of this conversation. Um, and you can't have that conversation from my vantage point, at least, and we're working with the clients that I do without deeply and honestly having conversation about vulnerability and what is vulnerability? How do we work through vulnerability? What are the emotions surrounding all of this? What do we want through connection? So all of that ties in to ultimately what I do, uh, uh, you know, for, for a living, and that is work with individuals to show up to life and challenges and business as the leaders that they are. You know, I say everyone's a leader, but not everyone makes the commitment to practice leadership. Hmm. So, so that's kind of the area in which uh, I thought it would be fun to dive in together. What's, it. what's the, what's the difference in there? Yeah. It's like, I, I'm, I'll tell you what I'm thinking of right away. And I could be totally wrong and that's totally fine. It's recorded. I'm wrong many times, I'm sure. But it, often there's a, there's like a, a space between like what we know and what we do. And so I, I talk about this often, like mm. with, with people in, in, uh, in clinic, it's like, okay, you know, to do this and but this is what you're doing somewhat below there. I find fatigue is often one of the things that can help or that, that or a lack of energy, I, I should say, I guess, is what sort of makes that gap worse or more difficult to deal with. Is that similar to what you're talking about? Like being a leader versus uh, like being knowing you being a leader versus like acting what like one, what is that kind of what you're getting at? It, it can be. And I think you asked actually a really important question, because no matter if we're talking about being a type of leader, being a type of parent, being a type of spouse, being a type of patient, you know, on your own healing journey, there's ultimately always going to be some level of a gap from what you think you should be doing to what you are doing mm -hmm. to intellectualizing something versus embodying that something. And a lot of times, especially in our society, especially with smarter and smarter people, and we all work with smart people, is they intellectualize information, they don't integrate it, they don't embody it. Mm. And so that's the separation, you know, it's like, I, I always like giving silly examples that kind of hopefully drive the point home. But it's like, if I read a book on how to do a squat, 
I can technically know how to do the squat, but I probably can't squat any more poundage unless I get under the bar and do the damn thing. Mm -hmm. And so experience trumps everything. Mm. And that is in our favor and also can be detrimental because then we have a past history of experiences that we think is the ultimate capital T truth. And then we say, well, I can't do that because I'm that type of person or in the past, this is what happened. So it could be used as a double-edged sword, right? It could be used to like go forward and change and to feel something different and be about something different. It could also hold us stagnant because we constantly are, are predicting the present and the future based on the past. Yeah. Right. And so we're trying to break that up. And um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of interesting neuroscience that goes into this as well, that, that how we can start to have this conversation in a more fruitful manner. Yeah, it seems like I, I talked to some patients too about like the the few little bits of wisdom that I think I've accrued often are paradoxical, right? It's like, um, so you have to be like, I just told someone today, just before I, we started, so you got to be gentle with yourself, be okay with like the way, you know, cause she's got some, we've got some trauma happening in the past. And it's like, well, you have to be okay with that. And you have to be nice to yourself. Paradoxically, <laughs> here we go. Let's pull up our socks and uh try to do better so i'm not a neuroscience guy like like you how do how do we is there any way you can sort of like first of all is there any sort of truth you see to those kind of paradoxical wise bits where it's where it's like seemingly opposite things are coexisting and then you have to that's that's life man (laughs) absolutely i know i know not everyone's gonna probably uh you know, watch this and some people might listen to it, but I was like shaking my head vigorously as you're chatting there. And I would agree. I, I, I say that like, if I ever write a book, it's going to be called dualities of a sane mind. Mm. Um, and Ooh, good title. Some, thank you. you I it away. Someone, somebody... <laughs> <laughs> it's gone. Poof. Copyright. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, and the reason why I say dualities of a sane mind is because we're led to believe that we're one fixed state, we're we're one fixed style, we're one fixed type of individual. And that's far from the truth. Mm -hmm. When we see that type of trait in others, it could be that they're more mindful and aware and present to their fluctuations and they return back to the state in which they feel more connected and proud of. And we can get into that leadership 101 right there to show up as the version of you in challenging times that you're most proud of. But most likely, if we're having a vulnerable, honest conversation, we're going to have a multitude of ideas and competing values and competing traits, depending on the situation, depending on the environment, depending on our, on our like hormonal milieu, uh, you, know, mm-hmm. you know, based on what we ate, slept, drank, you know, connection, whatever. So it's not enough to say, I get it, again, intellectually. We have to build strength and skill sets that can help us literally embody it, to feel it, to feel that version of us, to experience that version of us, to take action as that version of us, because only then the brain will say, oh, that is like me. I can do that too. And now you have somewhat of a uh, inventory of examples that can stay in contrast with the other inventory of examples that you have. And you start over time shifting over to the type of person you want to be, but only through action. You know, Tony Robbins says massive action. Like that's the pull up your socks kind of thing, Mm -hmm. right? right? It doesn't 
you know, massive <clears throat> action doesn't mean you have to run into a burning building or whatever that feeling would be in your life. This is the idea of courage. Courage is so personal. You just have to ask yourself, what is hard or scary for me today right now? And if I took one step towards that, would I be more or less proud of myself? Right. There's a question there. And mm-hmm. if you can answer that question and say more proud, then do the thing, do that one step. Most mm-hmm. people smash their face into the pavement because they go from step one to step 25. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, don't worry about step 25. Mm-hmm. Ask yourself, what's the next step? When you're yelling at your kid and you realize that's not how I want to be. And the next step is to remove yourself and say, give me 10 minutes. I'm going to cool down. You've just acted like a leader. You just mm-hmm. step closer to the version of you that you want to be. When someone cuts you off in traffic and you want to flip the bird and you don't, and instead you turn up Metallica or whatever your music is to you know change the vibe, mm-hmm. yep. that is taking a step towards, I want to be different. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's so many examples. Again, I'm trying to give these very like micro examples of life because we're so fixated on the macro and we've never mastered the micro. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We can't get there. And then we beat ourselves up for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The whole time you were speaking, I just kept thinking about what it takes to start to be aware of that or allow for that space. And it was a word you used earlier in the conversation, which is vulnerability. Because for someone to be open to even acknowledging that they're at step one, not at step 25, and to understand those expectations or understand how they need to shift or that they even have to shift, you have to be open and ready. And I, re- I, I believe that would require a certain level of vulnerability. And you said that in a lot of the conversations in coaching, it's a matter of defining vulnerability and understanding what that is. So for our readers, um, our readers, oof, okay, <laughs> listeners, um, can you, can you walk us, can you walk us through like what vulnerability, vulnerability means? specifically. Yeah. So I think, you know, I was just having this conversation literally um, two days ago with, with a client. Um, First of all, if we just look at vulnerability at face value, kind of like Webster's dictionary, it's kind of like the idea to be exposed to harm or judgment. So to be exposed or could be, well, to be vulnerable is to be open to that. Yeah. Now that's a really good distinction you just made. And I think that's the next level of thinking, which I really appreciate that you brought in as quickly as you did. Because I think on surface vulnerability is like, I'm going to be judged. Right. I'm going right. to be exposed. Yes. But you brought in a reality that I just like want to virtually high five you. Is that true? Yeah. You could be, but not necessarily will be. A willingness to, to, uh, to be. Yes. And here's the Mm -hmm. thing. Most people look at vulnerability as some sort of weakness, Mm -hmm. as some sort of like, I can't show that side of me. And then I just simple question again, I'm all about questions. That's how I do coaching, right? You just ask better questions Mm -hmm. for better answers. So the question is, if vulnerability is such a weak thing, why is it so hard for you to do? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so the answer quickly has to be, it's not. Actually, vulnerability requires courage. It requires confidence. It requires the ability to connect to oneself and the willingness to try to connect to another. And that's a lot of strength. Mm -hmm. You're willing to say, I'm going to gamble on this and say that there is a possibility that connection could arise, not disconnection. I'm going to be honest whether it's with myself, with self-conversation or with another, you know, we can define the two, but I think everyone, you know, 
gutturally understands what it means to have a conversation with themselves mm -hmm. or somebody else. So I am going to take the risk that as, as, as Dave, as you said, it's like, it's not a hundred percent that there's going to be judgment. It's not a hundred percent that I'm going to be harmed. Obviously the more harm or judgment or, you know, capital T or lower T trauma you've experienced in your life, the harder that is going to be. And we can talk about how to bridge that gap, but at the end of the day, for everyone, we have to make that decision that am I going to look at the world as always judgment and always harm? Or is there a possibility to connect to another human or myself differently? Mm -hmm. That is vulnerability. And that is the birthplace of true connection. That mm -hmm. is the birthplace of true development. And I don't mean this like self-mastery where nothing hurts me anymore. Mm -hmm. I mean, this closer, deeper, more, more authentic connection to myself and who I am and how I want to show up while holding the same or similar space for others to do that. So we connect together as a community. And that ripple effect is what you could talk about a, a home life that is loving or a workplace. Oh my gosh. Can we even say a workplace that is loving, you know, or that <laughs> takes care of one another or a community or a society or a country or a world. Mm -hmm. And these, these ideas, again, don't have to start so out there. Cause if I say like, how do we connect the world? Everyone like, it's like, Oh my God, it's over. Start with how do you like not shit on yourself every day? Mm -hmm. How do you have different, vulnerable, honest, loving conversations with yourself? And then, you know, pick a person or two in your life and try it with them too. Mm -hmm. So that's where I would say is the, is the birthplace of all of this. One of the things you're, you're sort of talking about, uh, and it's sort of implied, so I'm, I'm just going to ask directly about it, is you said connection with self. Um, I think you said a few times. And so it implies uh, two right or it implies a disconnection what what is what is it that you're getting at there that we're most of us are struggling with in terms of like connection with self because that that's that might be some deep stuff there yeah so most often our relationship with ourself which again is like what is that just think of how you speak to yourself just think of how you look at yourself in the mirror just look at the thoughts that go through your mind when you try something new or hard or different right? That's, that's the relationship. Most of us have been conditioned from society and past relationships or current relationships <laughs> to not be very inviting, loving, present, um, accepting of those areas of what we think is like shortcomings, for example. Mm -hmm. So essentially, you've spent more time with yourself, speaking to yourself or acting in a way towards yourself that is harmful. And then we wonder why we're not able to do the things that we say we should be doing again. It's because you don't have the relationship or the support structure to trust yourself to do those things and not beat yourself up or even believe that you can do it. And so if I want to get to know both of you better, I would maybe say, hey, come over, let's have a tea, let's have a drink, let's go to the bar. You know, if I didn't really care to speak to you much, I'd say, let's go to the movies. You know what I mean? Like you pick an example where you're actually interacting. And the more we speak openly and honestly with another, with one another, we start to trust one another. We start to believe in one another. We start to think that I can lean on you for that type of support. There is confidence in the relationship, which just means intense trust. That's the, that's the root of it is intense trust, confidence. 
So for self-confidence, it means you have to intensely trust yourself to behave in a way a good friend would. You have to intensely trust yourself to speak to yourself and move in a way that makes you feel that you're able to do the things again that are, that are meaningful to you or show up to challenges that are meaningful to you in a way that doesn't just take your legs out from underneath you, right? As mm -hmm. a good friend would. So that's the relationship I'm talking about. Most people just put that on the back burner. How many times do we actually sit down and get to know ourselves, mm -hmm. right? We don't like, what does that skill set even look like, right? And so this is where I start with all my leadership clients. We don't ever lead anyone else until we learn how to lead ourselves first. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we go through this whole process. We really get to understand this mental, emotional regulation piece and connection piece. And, and what, is, what, what are we actually saying? And what are the dualities of our mindsets? And how do we pick the ones in the right time? And then we move on to holding space for others to do the same. Does that answer your question? Yeah, yeah. It was, it was, it was better. It was a better answer than I was even going for. I was kind of just because there's an implied duality is what I was going on, uh, going into, and I and I got an idea of basically we talk to ourselves all the time, um, and uh, I think if if I'm honest, like I think uh, yeah, I, I I'm always looking. Uh, like I'm a type six on the Enneagram, like troubleshooter. So I'm always like, what can I, that that's wrong. I, so I find things that are, which is helpful in some ways, but it makes you critical. Right. Yeah. So yeah. there's a good side to it, right. For troubleshooting, it's great to be able to notice when something doesn't really, but yeah. So, uh, but then I was thinking the opposite because <laughs> I'm a type six. <laughs> devil's advocate always yeah, and yeah. and then i'm like well what about what what about when you have like boundless grounded ungrounded confidence like that's not very good either right but what you're what you're describing here are extremes and extremes are never sustainable mm -hmm. and so to be overly critical all the time how is that sustainable in life but to be totally like confident without having an ounce of of like, you know, uh, proper assessment tools, mm -hmm. then yeah, you're a daredevil, but you're also taking on a whole slew of risk, unless that's your priority, your job, your desire, your, what you think is the, is the purpose to your life, then probably not needed. So what happens again, you're describing something beautifully is our minds swing to the extremes because we want to overcorrect the other thing. Mm -hmm. instead of finding a relationship where they both exist together. So one of the things that uh, um, I sent you and, and I can resend, so you put it in the show notes, is, is the leadership code, which is, which is our free giveaway of people go through a 35, 40 minute uh, visualization experience where they come up with a whole slew of answers for themselves. One of them being what we call your best leader traits, the values and the traits that guide you. So I'll quickly tell you mine, not because they're important, because they're mine, mm -hmm. but mine are the three words, loving, grounded, warrior. Mm. My warrior without the loving and grounded is incomplete. So is my loving and my, and my grounded without the warrior, because what do I stand for? Mm -hmm. Right. Right. So we're finding the, the pull in our soul, the, the thing that we want to show up at, the, the reason we want to do the things we want to do as the person we want to do it. And we're finding, again, as I keep saying, uh, the Venn diagram, the middle ground of all of these things. And that is the tip of the arrow. That is what slices us through life and helps us 
do the next best thing in a way that we're proud of ourselves in the way that we show up to ourselves and the, and the people around us in, um, in, a, in a functional and sustainable manner. Mm-hmm. Is there, I don't know, I feel like I have like a question on the tip of my tongue and I don't know if it's the right question or not, but it's more like, do you see common traits in people or currently with the people that you work with that seem that are basically a reflection that there's something, there's a disconnect with themselves. I feel like, is there something common, like underlying themes that you see? So for people who are listening, a lot of, I, I find that people come into the office as well and they're, they don't always put together how they played a role in the undoing of what their life is feeling like. Right. And there's a disconnect yeah. between cause and effect and, and their particular role in things. And it's often a conversation of working with someone to help them work through mental, emotional, stuckness, traumas, things like that. Um, yeah. And I feel like it's, it's having people become aware of what those telltale signs look like. Do you, do you find that there are some big, some areas that maybe people who are listening can connect with to be like, Oh, maybe this is an area I should explore more. Maybe I should look into working with someone to help me get more resilient, connect to my vulnerability, that kind of stuff. Yeah. There's two ways I can answer this question. I feel like, um, I don't know if I, I did, I, did I, did I, did I, Oh, it's good. Question? You're, you're asking, <laughs> I, I think more succinctly and probably missing something. It sounds like you're asking for symptoms in a way. Yeah, that, I guess basically I don't want to call go, them symptoms, but it's just, yeah. Signs. Yeah. Signs and symptoms. Yes, signs and symptoms. You. Yeah. I think, yeah. So, uh, you know, they're all the signs and symptoms that we, we, I think we're all very familiar with it's anything from like a label of depression and anxiety mm-hmm. to the sense of loneliness, to the sense of, I don't have anyone I can lean on, or I don't treat myself well, mm-hmm. or I want to remove myself from, you know, social environments, not because you're an introvert and that's how you regenerate your, your, your battery, mm-hmm. but because you just either don't trust or don't them or don't trust yourself. Mm-hmm. It's this idea of like, <clears throat> you know, uh, numbing is better than exploring. I want to fix everything instead of I want to understand. Mm. You know, it's like it's the it's the fix it mentality without the groundedness of what if there's nothing to fix? What if this is showing you an area of you that um, actually needs to be held? And I know these words don't resonate with everyone, but I'm using them on purpose to be held and to be seen and to be respected prior to taking out the screwdriver and changing things up. Mm-hmm. What if the tool is stop and feel in a relationship maybe, and that's why there are professionals that do this work, where you can be honored for who you are and what you are and what you've experienced and what you're experiencing. And then we can move into what's the next best step for you. But most often people don't understand, again, goes back to the relationship. It's like, it's, it, we're chasing our tail, right? We're going to go back in circles and that's okay. That means that we're like hitting something here where you don't have that relationship with yourself and you don't have that relationship with another, but you want to improve your life. You want to do self-improvement. You want to, you want to do self-mastery. You want to be better at something. The thing to get better at is to not running, stop running away from the thing that is scary, hard, or hurting. Because mm-hmm. fear by itself, like we look at fear, fear is like the, the, the groundedness of all of this. And fear really is anytime we move from certainty 
to uncertainty. That's fear. Mm -hmm. If I want to make you two go insane, all I have to do is put you in an environment where there's ambiguity. I have to constantly give you uncertainty. It is the most taxing environment for the brain. I see sounds your face, Michelle. Yeah, sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah. And so let's, if we put this at the surface and be very topical about it, I don't care what your belief structure is about anything. Mm -hmm. We can all agree that the last two years have been filled with uncertainty. Absolutely. And so <laughs> it is a taxing environment for all brains. And what do we do? We want certainty. So we pick tribes, we pick groups, because I am certain this is the capital T truth. Mm -hmm. I am certain that Jesus is the way, not Muhammad or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. It's the same thing. We're trying to be certain because it makes me feel good. Right. And if you don't get it, then you must be on the outside of the truth. Right. And so in the short term, that makes us feel good. In the long term, we do the same cycle, rinse and repeat. We feel more disconnected from ourselves and each other. And that person who says, well, maybe, just maybe that is more of a maroon color, you know, than like a blood red or whatever. Mm -hmm. They become your enemy mm. because now you've gone into little micro examples of how we're dividing everything up as opposed to saying, interesting, let's have a conversation about it. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so we're not doing it with ourselves. We're not doing it with each other. And so what if the base is fear and i think under and that like really it's just a fear of disconnect from self and other to even ground that further if we move up the chain from fear the next basic emotion is sadness and i'll reverse this in a second sadness is a passive and ruminant rumination state it's kind of just sitting there and just kind of thinking this is where that kind of a lot of the like you know anxiety and depression live mm -hmm. but when people get sick and tired of being in sadness, depression, passive rumination, what do they do? They get angry. Angry. Yes, because anger is a power action state. It's movement. And once they get tired of anger, they drop back down sadness. They get quiet again. And then they spark back up and then and they get stuck. Anger is a power grab because you go into conflict in an attempt to get back what you've lost which is an unmet need. What's the unmet need? Connection mm. to self and others. So when you're angry, I like to ask people, what are you actually sad about? When I do anger management sometimes with people and I ask them that question, that pisses them off. <laughs> <laughs> because they don't want to go into the lower state of sadness and pensiveness. They're like, no, I am justified in my anger. It is righteous anger. Right. I'm using these words to like get people's brains to turn on a little bit. Right. What we hear, what we say. Well, they did this and I done the story, story, story. But if they do the work and everyone listening can do the work, what are you angry about? Okay. What are you actually sad about in relation to that? Mm -hmm. Then what are you actually scared of or worried mm -hmm. about? Again, certainty moving to uncertainty. And how is that threatening connection to yourself or others? That is it. So if all conflict is based on unmet need, all of our unmet needs are based in connection. 
Yeah. Wild. And, and we could just keep playing that. And like, literally, if you're listening and you care enough, write that down and do the work. I ask myself when I get angry, I literally say, okay, Yasher, what are you actually sad about? What are you actually scared about? And I've done it so much. I just drop to like, what am I disconnected from? So if I get in an argument with my wife, let's make it topical again. If I make an argument with my wife and I get angry, instead of me going into anger power grab, I go into understanding what is my unmet need and speaking to that while the highest priority of loving grounded warrior. I love you and this really upset me. Hmm. I care for you deeply and that is why I'm hurt right now. I see your pain and I want you to hear about mine so we can come to a common understanding. I like the word, the use of the word and rather than but. Thank you. And that goes back to dualities of a sane mind. Awesome. And I am Dave, the guy who's totally analytical and can figure shit out by looking carefully. And I got confidence that we can get it done. But if I stick to one side or the other, it's a teeter-totter. It's not balanced. I got to find the balance act. And again, there's no such thing as true balance. There's only rhythm. And you got to find the groove for yourself in your life and in the situation. Mm-hmm. But those are through emotional conversation and through examples, what I would say are the signs and symptoms that we all are experiencing all the time. And <clears throat> excuse me, based on our openness to being vulnerable, we will enter into a different tribe. We'll enter into a different conversation. We will spend time questioning our own thinking to hopefully find the gray zone, the middle ground, the Venn diagram that perhaps the capital T truth actually lives in. Okay, well, that was a great little nugget of information you just shared. Thank you. (laughs) I I feel like I have to reflect on that now because like, I'm just thinking about past arguments and stuff. And I was like, what was I really sad about? What was I scared of? What did I feel? And now I'm just like running back through things. And and I feel like that's a very practical and tangible way to begin to like bring it down a notch, get yourself grounded in the moment, and then be able to speak your truth from a much more like rational and calm space rather than just like firing at all cylinders. And Michelle, I like respect you totally for just saying that because that's the whole point. That's where the work begins. Mm-hmm. Just kind of go back and say, okay, what was that about? You don't have to wait for the next one. Like you have, we all have inventory of tons of experiences where we can do this with. And what you said was really cool. Again, you brought in the whole thing. And like, you can't, I just want to make this so crystal clear. Just because you're angry doesn't make you wrong, but not connecting that to your ultimate priority of a human being makes it incomplete. Mm -hmm. And that's my argument. That's what I'm trying to like, that's what I'm standing up, you know, pounding my, my, you know, um, uh, my Bible, if you were uh, uh, for this and saying, listen, be angry Mm -hmm. and understand your priority. My priority is not to yell at my wife. So she feels like a piece of shit. Though how many of us do that in the relationships? My priority is to connect to her and myself through the conflict. And if her connection point is, give me 10 minutes, and my connection point is, no, we have to talk about it now, which is totally, you know, being vulnerable and telling the truth of our relationship and what we've learned in 10 plus years. I chased, she ran away. 
Mm. I say, we talk about it now. If you don't talk about it, it means you don't care. You don't love me. That was the thinking. Hers was like, give me space. You're smothering me. I need to think. That was her past experiences, her, her need. And so we've come to the place where both live together. She gets her 10 minutes and she comes back. Mm-hmm. Right? It's these simple things where when we allow the truth to merge and blend together, then, then there's, there's a lot more fun to be had. I love this. I love all of this. I love this as for an individual. I love this for like the micro ecosystem in which you live in, which then would be amplified in the bigger ecosystems that we live in. Because if everybody began to do this in their micro ecosystem, we would all just, there are interconnectedness as a human species would be a lot healthier and more beautiful. And I think that's what this conversation was about. Cause you even said it's a matter of connecting with ourselves so that we can connect with others. And then we can also connect with the level of the environment around us and mother nature. And then everything shifts on a global scale. And a lot of people right now are very concerned about what is happening on other parts of the world. And they come into the office and I say, absolutely be aware of what's happening, but how can you be a better example in your micro ecosystem first? Cause that's what you do have control over. And I think that this conversation is a really important one with regards to what we can do in our current space because that's all we have control over michelle again a virtual high five to you now like you just yeah you just took it to that next level all we have control over are our thoughts feelings and behaviors those are three things anytime we try to control anything else it's delusional you may have it for a short period of time but it's not sustainable again so thoughts feelings and actions I go to the nth degree in my mind, and that's kind of like how I deal with things. So I say, okay, the world's coming to an end. Cool. What am I going to do? Squeeze, squeeze as hard as I can and, and hope that it doesn't. How is that going to change anything? But what I can do is say, okay, I'm a loving, grounded warrior. When my son comes home from school, he's going to get the best version of me. Because if I have two hours or 20 years left and I don't know, I'm going to give him the best of me until that time mm-hmm. comes. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, if I'm going to not be here, is it more likely that I will enjoy the time and or extend the time if I'm the best version of me to the people around me or the worst version of me, Mm -hmm. right? You just have to get to brass taxes once in a while. And and most of us, what we do is we don't want to do the work or we're scared of the work, which again, we don't have time to dive into all the reasons why that might be a pattern, but what do we do? We, we, we talk about signs and symptoms. We, we drink, we watch Netflix, we overshop, we, we just overeat, we numb, we yeah. disconnect. Yeah. Right. So these are the moments where we need to ask ourselves, okay, is there someone I can speak with, whether professional or personal? And what is the work I could be doing so that I could get to know myself in a different way to do the work? Again, the ripple effect, but you know, um, most people don't like it when I say like the world's, if the world's coming to an end or if I'm going to die or these end points, but I sometimes find them very useful because what's the point then, right? Again, what is the priority to fight mm-hmm. harder until we die or to love better until we die? And I, I know which one I've picked for myself. 
Well, it goes to the duality too. We can't appreciate life if, you know, without death, it's harder to appreciate life. Without sadness, we can't appreciate joy as much. Without darkness, we can't appreciate light. We've talked about these dualities before in other podcasts. And I feel like you have to remember that there's an endpoint to make you value the current, the current state of being your current moment. Yep, exactly. So exactly. I, and, and choose and choose that. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Not, not to bypass but to understand, to accept, hold, as I said earlier, hold the space and then work through or dismantle maybe um, the capital T truth to a lower T truth. And then maybe it's no longer a truth for you anymore. Mm. Mm, it seems like some of what you're saying goes along with like uh, Jordan Peterson's idea of like clean up your own room. <laughs> I love Jordan yeah. Peterson. Yeah. So do I. I mean, it's oversimplified again, and that runs a risk, but it seems like that's a bit of it, right? Like, um, you can't change maybe everything going on everywhere, but yeah, show up for your kid, show up for your wife, your husband, whatever. Show up for yourself. Yourself. Yeah. That's what I'm learning, Yashar, today. <laughs> well, again, like, it's, it's such a cliche, and we, we hear it, and we just dismiss it, but you can't pour from an empty cup. Like, it's so true. And showing mm -hmm. up for yourself, again, doesn't necessarily mean, it can mean, you know, a wine and a bubble bath. But that, again, is not going to get you to the next level, right? It, in the next level, I mean, of understanding yourself, not, again, a performance or anything like that. That's for maybe another conversation than, you know, um, than today. The next level of getting to know yourself. It's great. Take a bubble bath. Have a glass of wine. If that means you're going to bring your nervous system down from like a buzz to like a chill and you can mm -hmm. read a bedtime story to your kid or whatever, you know, I'm just giving a lot of parenting examples, but it could be anything. However, let's not kid ourselves. These, I don't know, I'm trying to be careful how, what word I use to describe them. Well, that's good. That's good. Jordan Peterson says, be precise with your words too. Yeah. <laughs> These elements of self-care are necessary yet not sufficient. Mm. If your goal is to step into an understanding for yourself about yourself and the world around you in a way that doesn't waver day by day by day, that can be attacked or challenged but doesn't fundamentally shake who you want to show up as. Again, we can all have bad days and good days and all that, but fundamentally, how do you want to show up for yourself and the people around you? It's the question I keep asking. And if you're telling me through bubble baths or a golf course or whatever, a movie, you're going to get there, I would say, let's have a conversation. <laughs> because I bet I can ask you a few questions. I will be a little bit more insightful for you as you come to self-realization, not me telling you, because that's never going to help anyone through self-realization that, Hey, maybe there's another element uh, of my understanding that I, I have access to that. I maybe didn't know I did. So it's a, it's maybe necessary, but it's not sufficient. This is kind of the thesis of that statement. Mm. Mm. Is that fair? I think so. Oh yeah. I think those, uh, I, I, sometimes people run the risk of having those as crutches rather than being actual helpful aids. 
where they become distractions and crutches rather than, and, you know, like you said, there's no, there's no harm in having those activities. Um, but are they essential for your self-development? Right. Yeah. And, and so that's, that is the question we kind of constantly are going to jog around until we gain deeper and deeper insights. And, and and again, it's it's worth saying that the whole point is to achieve self-directed insights. You know, my job is not to tell, 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 though I do teach a lot about the neuroscience because, uh, you know, I'm a geek about it and others I find, find it interesting and useful. But again, it's like reading a book instead of doing the thing. Mm. So, my whole goal is fine. You have this information. Cool. Now we have to move towards achieving um, self-directed insights because only then does your brain actually come alive. Literally. It's the, it's the most um, uh, it's called a gamma spike. There's a burst of energy. It's the, it's the highest burst of energy uh, in the mind is when you have an insight. That's why it feels so good when you get the joke or you get to the end of a book or a movie and you figure it out. It's like, ah, that feeling that aha is actually very good feeling. And it's that gamma spike is matched with dopamine, which is a feel good reward chemical, but also dopamine is responsible for um, curiosity and motivation and alerting state. Mm. So when you have self-derived insights, not only you're like, oh, it makes you excited to learn more. And what I tell my clients all the time when they have that moment is welcome home. If I didn't tell you and no one else told you, then it was already within you. You just came back to it, to who you are. You're not becoming anything. And if you are, it's just the version of you that already lived within you. It's just, you didn't build a what? A relationship with. Then we go back again to square one, sit down, have a tea, get to know them, speak kindly, figure out their interests, be there when they need you and a beautiful relationship will blossom. Love it. Dave, any final questions? Too much thinking, probably. For the li- I've done so much thinking. Oh my God. I, I know. I feel like my brain is running, like the hamster is running a mile a minute. Yeah, but it's 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 a it's a deeper sort of insight hamster. It's uh yeah, it's not a ADD hamster. It's like a um yeah, I'm just processing in real time. I'm and I'm sure a lot of people who are listening whenever they listen are, are doing the same thing too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, do you work with anybody in the public or do you have a, a very specific niche of people that you, you work with just in case anybody in your audience does want to connect with you? Yeah. So whenever you have leadership in the title of your company, people feel they like they're excluded. Mm-hmm. We do work with a lot of um, small and growing businesses and their teams for sure. In the, in the traditional leadership role you would think of. But we do also have really brave clients who might have their own business or might work for another business, but has nothing to do with their work life. And they want to be more of a leader in their own life. Mm-hmm. Moms, dads, work. we work with some teenagers, university children or kids, or young adults, whatever we should call them. <laughs> and so I know this is not the best, like, you know, marketing gurus out there would be like, uh, you got the message wrong. But the reality is we work with people who want to show up to life and challenges as the best version of themselves so they can help others do the same. 
That's the tagline. That's what we do. A lot of times, again, it is businesses and, and, and I'm always ecstatic when I have an individual call us up and say, I want to do the work. And I'm like, damn, Skippy, we're doing the work. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So how can people reach you? What is the best way to connect with you um, for our listeners? Yeah. So the easiest way is our website, mindshiftleadership.com or Instagram, which is at mindshiftleadership. Um, and then I'm going to task the both of you to, to include the free uh, kind of giveaway. That, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. The leadership code. Um, and then through that, you can see all our other online courses that we have in group coaching. And we have a ton of offers, offerings, but um, I'll leave it at that. And people who are interested can kind of peruse. Right. And the leadership code um, can be found under the courses section of your website, correct? So that link I gave you is actually um, specific. Specific. Okay. Yes. We'll put the link in, in, in our, in our write-up for the, for the podcast. Perfect. Yeah, yeah for perfect. sure. And if, if, if I may, I know you asked Dave for a final question, but I actually want to just give one little final thought. Okay. Is that okay? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And, and this is because we're just maybe you'll ground everything through this. The brain filters everything through an emotional lens first. So it goes through emotion, then moves to logic, then uses the logic to justify the emotion. Hmm. So whenever we say stuff like that emotion doesn't belong here, or there's no X, Y, or Z emotion in business, or in, a, in this conversation, whatever we say, you know, when we like poo-poo emotion, you're literally saying, okay, cut off your head, leave it out there, and let's continue talking with our bodies. It just makes no sense. Mm-hmm. So your brain being a meaning-making prediction machine, what it does, it says, I see present information. I'm going to very quickly and automatically most of the time connect it to previous experiences to make the next best move, the next best predictive move. And so it's a meaning-making prediction machine. Here's the funny part. Anything that is different from your prediction is considered an error. That's why we become so insular in our own thinking and almost self-righteous in our own thinking because that's different, can't be right. Mm -hmm. And so again, we go back to vulnerability to open up. Maybe I'm not right. What else could be possible? So we have to start with emotion to be there and we have to end with emotion to be there. Logic is just like the justifier of it all. Mm -hmm. And that's why we can intellectualize but we don't embody, we don't feel, we don't change because we spend too much time in the brain, not enough in the body, feeling and being and acting as, right? To make the change occur. Mm. So we have to respect emotion. It's literally the life force that runs through us. And there's no bad or good. It's just they're there and they're there for a reason. So again, the anger, sadness, fear, worry, like you can work through them. They move. Energy and motion, right? Emotion, that's mm-hmm. right. So they move. So move with the emotion. You're not one thing, you're multiple things. Just decide and learn how to decide the things you want to be more often. Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you so much, Yasher. That's uh, that's super insightful for me and I hope for everyone who's listening too, they made some uh, good connections there. Yeah, I'm going to be sitting with this for the rest of the day, just like mulling over what we chatted about. This is great. 
Awesome. Well, I always have fun chatting with you too. Thank you for the brilliant questions. Thank you for bringing your brilliance to the stage and sharing it with our audience. I hope, I imagine everybody who listens will at least get something very valuable from this conversation, if not more. I hope so. Thank you. Take care. That Naturopathic Podcast. TNP. Hello there.